Okay, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Bet Online, our exclusive wagering partner. Bet Online, of course, where you get all your action on NFL football, NBA basketball. Bet Online AG is the place you want to go. More options to wager than anywhere else online. So, online today, take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use the code CLNS50 when you go to betonline.ag. Once again, betonline.ag, code CLNS50 to get you 50% off your initial deposit. All right, we'll, we'll, we will wait a little while and allow um, some people to populate here as uh, the Celtics post game show over on YouTube, the live stream is still going with uh, Bobby Manning at Boston Garden. And uh, Josue and Jimmy in the studio. Sherrod's on his way here now. Uh, anyway, another. I'm Nick Gelso, by the way, uh, if you don't know me. And uh, another deplorable showing from our Celtics. Are these our Celtics? I ask you that. I ask Sherrod that. We'll bring him on right now. There's Sherrod Blakely. Hey, What's Sherrod. Up? What's up? Oh, not a whole lot. Well, the same thing that was up five minutes ago, right? Exactly. <laughs> Everything's down. Everything I, is down. I have to ask you this now: Is that do you think now we we know that that Brad's not going anywhere? But is he going to get told? I mean, told motivated to gut his bench? He needs you help, know, well, man. Are you talking about players or coaches? Coaches. I think I don't think he'll be told to gut it, but I do think that they will. There will be serious conversations about adding, about enhancing it. Yeah. Whether that, whether that means someone goes or someone else comes in, uh, remains to be seen. But they they have to do something. They have, they to, have do something. to do something. Who's missing? Shrewsbury. Who? who, 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 well, who Shrewsbury, he was the guy that that kind of coordinated their defense. Yeah. Uh, the last couple of years, and and the numbers Walter. speak for themselves. I mean, they were. A very good defensive team, and we all kind of assumed that it had a lot more to do with the talent than necessarily X's and O's. But right. when you take the guy who kind of coordinated that stuff out of the picture, and you're left with a team for the most part uh, looks the way it did a year ago defensively, and they suck the way they have. Yeah, that, that coaching looks a lot more important now than it made it a year ago. It, it, you know, uh, it's been my thing, a player coach, not a player coach like Bill Russell player coach, but a player's coach is just so needed to be able to relate to these guys. And I heard Perk's name tossed around, but he just got that huge contract. So we know that's probably not the case. I don't know if he was the right idea anyway. KG ain't going to do it. We all would love it, but he's not going to do it. But maybe Paul. Maybe Paul. I don't know if that's we know there were aspirations in the past because again you you Paul I mean he's such a legend and I I I just don't know if he wants to frankly go through the grind of being of an NBA season um, to be honest with you yeah I uh, well I would either be you know and he's not going to if he's not going to be a, a coach he's not going to be. There were rumors about him, you know, coming in and working with Borman because they're so close. And Scal's got that down. But having any of them around, Sherrod, you know, I, I'm a proponent of that. I mean, I just – I think it's missing. There's just something that is – and maybe it's the fans, dude. You know, I mean, there's no fans. It just doesn't right. feel like Celtics right. basketball at all. Yeah, 
But to your point, Nick, though, I mean, there, there is value in that. I mean, look at the Miami Heat. Udonis Haslam does nothing for them nothing. in terms of playing. But his presence is so valuable. Yep. They talk yep. about that every single year. And when you talk to Udonis, it's clear that he is heavily invested in this team's – in that team's success, whether he's playing or not. Whether yep. he has a clearly defined role or not, he's one of those guys that genuinely wants what's best for that organization – and the Celtics, they need to find someone. Uh, to, to, they need help. They need help because the, because what they have now in terms of players, what they have now in terms of staff, it's simply not enough. They have to get some outside help. It's uh, you mentioned Miami, and and we I talk a lot about culture. Their culture has been phenomenal. Their scouting staff phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I'm not a Pat Riley fan, obviously, for obvious reasons. But he knows how to put together a, a staff, let's say that way. I mean, yeah. between it, it, just the drafting they've done and the recruiting, it's been phenomenal. And they all tend, really seem to like to play there. They do. Um, of course, that they're playing in Miami. They're having there's, fun. There's a lot of worse uh, places you can be than Miami. Well, that's true. And the taxes help, too, but no right. taxes. But it seems like they're having fun. And that's one thing that we could agree on. I think this team, I don't know how many games I've seen them actually look like they were having fun. Right. You know? I mean, even, even Jason 60 didn't feel fun. It was right. too, too pressuresome. <laughs> it was stressful. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that we're, we're, I mean, we're watching that game and we're wondering, is he going to have like the greatest game a Celtics ever had and lose? Yeah. And yeah, the fact that it, you know, they, they couldn't get it done in regulation. I mean, that was, it was a great performance by Jason, no doubt, no, and one of the all-time greats. But damn, that it seemed like he had to work a little too hard to get that sixty. And and you, you he and point in case with Jason, he looked like it was just a regular game, didn't he? He didn't look excited like he was going for sixty. It's just not as I remember. You remember Reggie Lewis, Sherrod? That's yeah. how he was. He never got really emotional about anything and you'd almost feel like he wasn't playing hard at times because he was just unemotional but he was playing hard and and I think Tatum does I I, I you know I listened to you in the the postgame show I gotta say I, I I agree with you and Bobby I think in that regard where it just may not be Jason's personality no and and and, and th- here's the thing there's nothing wrong with that being the case I mean the one thing you want your players to be in addition to be amazingly awesome you want them to be authentic and I think yep. Tatum is one of those guys that he's just not going to ride that emotional roller coaster that a lot of players do. And that's fine. But your roster, you need guys who are going to make that ride because this game, it's an emotional game. Yep. And you need a balance of guys who can keep things steady Eddie for the most part, but also guys who can elevate their play and be emotionally charged and maybe most important, can charge up the guys around them. That's where, you know, I think this, this, this Celtics team has really, really missed the mark on. They don't have guys who can give them that emotional jolt that I think championship caliber teams, teams that make deep playoff runs, those teams have those kind of guys. Who is that guy? I mean, like, I mean, who's out there that could be that guy? It's such a, like, Everything that the Celtics need, I mean, yes, they need defense. Yes, they, there are certain things we can identify that are tangibles. But mature, the biggest needs are intangibles. It's attitude, swagger, effort, right? 50-50 balls, the loose balls, right? Dive on the floor. How do we? How do you find that? And I don't know who's going to be available, but Fournier isn't the answer there, right? 
He's not the answer for that, but what he does provide is is a, a viable scoring option off your bench who, if you start slipping to the starting lineup, he can give you a good performance there. And he's coming around. He's definitely yeah. trending in the right direction. It's getting better. I'm not ready to just kind of put all my chips in the Fournier basket and just say, this is my guy. This is the guy that's going to get us over the hump. I don't think he's that guy, but I do think that he's someone that can help you. But the problem that I think the Celtics are running into is that Fournier is starting to figure out how to do a lot of really good things, a lot of positive things. But the problem, he's on an island unto himself in that regard. In other words, not other than him and Neesmith, you don't really feel many of these guys are trending in the right direction. And Jesus. that's a problem. That's a problem. That is a you only have a couple guys problem. that are really – kind of playing their way into that type of we're getting better as the season progress kind of role. Yeah, I mean, that is a big problem because you bring in a and, – and it did for a moment. I mean, there were a couple games there where Danny pulled the trigger on Tice. They bring in Fournier and uh, uh, whomever else. And, Luke uh, Cornette. Well, who did they bring in? Cornette. Our boy Cornette. I did not know that Cornette's father played for the Bucks. That's a, yeah. just a random fact. Uh, yeah. But anyway, yeah, you bring them in, there's a little jolt, but usually that could become infectious just as much as negativity can, that positive energy, and yet yeah. you don't see it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it's weird that we're having this. Here's the thing about the Celtics. I mean, they are a team that has had a clear, defined identity for the longest time, and that identity aligned itself with winning. That's right. Uh, who they were was about winning. And this team has an identity, but it does not align itself with winning. Uh, when you play iso ball primarily and you don't move the ball as well as you normally do and you don't defend consistently, which are identity traits of this team, those don't add up to winning. And that's for a lot of fans uh, and, and for us who, who cover this team and follow this team is the frustrating part because the players, for the most part – are that different than the ones that you had last year. And yet, this is a very different team. You hear players say that all the time about every year, even if you got the same players, it's a different team. I never believed that to be true until this year. Because looking at these Celtics now and looking at the ones we saw last year, it really does feel like night and day. Well, and you know what? Sherrod, take that back a bit. I mean, you could go from the first year of Kyrie and Gordon into the next year of Kyrie and Gordon healthy and it was like two different teams like they went on that epic run you know uh, without without Gordon and Kyrie and that was the Brad Stevens type play it was just scrappy emotional like totally and and then that's another thing too I wanted to say to the complaining about the refs usually that's indicative of the coach now Brad does not complain with the refs very much yet our, uh, the, the Celtics seemed to do it quite you could understand when big baby would do it because doc was doing it all the time but where right. are they getting this from i just there's so much uh we could go all night you know what though sherrod we got you know stacking up in here and, and and we actually have quite a few requests to speak and i'm gonna do my best john zanis impersonation here um as i'm bringing you on folks um mute yourself or i'll throw you out because it makes a lot of noise <laughs> so <laughs> mute John yourself. Be like mute yourself but, but nick is like nope or i'm gonna kick your ass out the club yeah, mute or you're banned no i'm just kidding <laughs> brady we're gonna bring you up now uh you can unmute because you can go right to your question brady what's going on man what's up brady hey what's going on guys what's going on sherrod uh just 
No, it was another disappointing effort from the team today. Um, you know, I, I feel like I've said that way too many times now on this um, post game, yep. but we just, you know, I'm still interested to see what the what this team could look like in the postseason, but I don't know if I even want to know at this point. Maybe just move on to next year, but I I'm think there, yep. I think they can at least pl- <laughs> at least they can at least play better in the postseason. I think, and I think there's still something there, like they can compete, and if they're lucky, lucky enough to get themselves into the five seed, they could maybe maybe win around, but I think that's looking pretty pretty at best. Yeah, I mean this was a this was a big loss uh, because now you don't have a clear. Well, you, if you beat Miami uh, Tuesday, you you'll win the head to head. But the problem that you present yourself with now is that you are going to need some help in order to leapfrog past Miami in the standings uh, because you know they right now they've got like a two game lead over you and you got four games to play. So even if you run the tables, that still may not be enough for the Celtics to get even into the six seed, let alone the four or five seed. Uh, right now, it's, it's pretty pretty packed. I mean, right now, the, like, for example, the Hawks are, I think they're like 10, they're maybe two games ahead of the Celtics, but the Hawks have the tiebreaker. And the Celtics could potentially uh, have the tiebreaker over the Knicks, but the problem there is that the Knicks are two and a half games ahead of them. So really the best shot that the Celtics have, frankly, of getting into the playoffs and avoiding the play-in tournament is to win Tuesday over Miami and then get some help from some other teams that the Heat are going to be playing, you know, in this final month of the season. So it's, it's not an ideal position that they're in now. And to your point earlier, I want them to go through the playing game and get to the playoffs so that we can have some true closure to this season. Are they going to be the team that we've seen up, you know, for these 68 games that plays well in spurts, but doesn't really deliver when the games matter most, or are they going to shock the world and play great basketball, both ends of the floor, make Milwaukee or Brooklyn, whoever they face in the first round, sweat a little bit, and then go into the off season feeling good about themselves. That, to yeah. me, is what I'm looking forward to seeing, to seeing how are they going to respond when literally there is nowhere to turn. It's either show up or get shut down. How are they going to handle that pressure? And still, still kind of waiting. I know there's not a switch to flip, but I'm waiting because they still have one point in big games where they look brilliant. They look on target, and I'm still waiting. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. We got a I got one games more question. Left, Brady. Sure yeah, go ahead, Brady. Go ahead, I was just wondering, so we saw, obviously, what the Miami Heat did last year. Let's say, like, the schedule kind of benefits them. You know, Miami plays Philly and Milwaukee. They drop one of those when we beat the next game. We find ourselves into the six-seed or five-seed or whatever. Do you see there's any chance that this team, if they get healthy, and even without Rob, at least have Jalen healthy, do you think there's any way this team could make, like, a, a round or two past, you know, and just make it any way? The the only the only shot I see of something like that happening is that they get some unexpected breaks that they have nothing to do with. Like if a key player on Philadelphia or Brooklyn or Milwaukee or a couple of key players, you know, get sick, uh, you know, have some type of you know short term injury or, uh, you know, have to go into the health and safety protocol, something like that. Then, yeah, that changes things dramatically. But if we're talking about just their play. 
catapulting them into another round or two uh, of the playoffs, I just don't see that happening. Uh, I just don't see that happening because one of the keys to advancing in the postseason is getting it done defensively. And if there's one thing they've been pretty consistent with not getting done is defending. I mean, th- again, we this Miami game that we just saw this afternoon was the unquestioned biggest game of the season for them. You win this game, you are p- strongly positioning yourself for that six seed and potentially going up higher than that to maybe four or five. Not only did they lose the game, but they gave, they were horrible, horrible in the most important game of the season, particularly at the defensive end of the floor. And that, to me, is why I just can't feel good about this team come playoff time because the one area that you have to be at least average, at least average in, is defense. And that is the one area where they have been anything but that this year. Yeah, I agree. Not not much to Brady. go on it, except hope. Brady, thanks so much, man. Uh, always showing up after every game. I see it. We appreciate it, man. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna go on to. I'm, oh, thank you, Brady. We're gonna go hey, on to. I'm gonna try this. Ore, ore. Yeah, right. Ore, welcome. You got Sherrod Blakely, Nick Jell. So, give us what you got. What's up, guys? So, uh, my thing is honestly like. If this team put the same energy that they did into getting back in these games during these second-half comebacks as they did in these trash first quarters that they constantly play, this team could honestly be a four-seed and maybe, just maybe, a three-seed, to be honest with you. That's how I feel. Because I feel like in too many games, this team uses all that energy to come back in these games that they should be doing that they should be using in the first half, which is the most annoying part, is that they have it, they have the capability. Because if they play with that same energy that they did in the first half, they win this game. I honestly think, because I feel like the second half they they played they played much better, but Miami made a bunch of clutch shots down the stretch and won the game. But I feel like if they played with that same energy in the second half. With, and they use that energy in the first half and play that way the whole game, they win. They win probably six, seven, eight more games this year. Yeah. I mean, their their problem is that they can't sustain any, any good play. Uh, they give us two, three, four minutes of like, wow, that's really good. And then we get six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 minutes of, damn, what the hell are they thinking out there? You can't win when you're that erratic with your play. Uh, and, and, that, and again, that's one of the reasons why they are in this, the predicament that they're in. The, the fact that they are a team that is teetering on being in the play-in game, and even if they do get into you know, the, the actual playoffs in the postseason, they're looking at, at best, the sixth seed, I mean, with a very slim shot at the five. Uh, but again, they, they're, they're one of the more maddening teams because, again, you see those flashes, uh, and you... Ask yourself if only they could do that over a sustained period of time. But you know what? At the end of the day, they are exactly where they're supposed to be because they played themselves into this position. They played themselves into being a team that is looking at the playing game. And frankly, if they go in the playing game and they play the way we've seen them, you know, like today, they're going to get their asses kicked. And the season will be over. And that's going to be the lasting image that people are going to have of this team, a team that consistently fell short of both their own expectations and the expectations of those uh, on the outside. 
I Joe am going to be in the building. Yeah, Joe Sway's in the building. I, I'm going to be looking very closely to see if these guys are or who of them are going to play in the Olympics. I know that's probably not a popular thing to say, but if ever these players needed rest, it's it's this this cycle. I mean, it's just been so messed up. I don't even know what month it is. Joe Sway, you think they'll play in the Olympics? I hope not. That's not a stupid thing to say, Nick. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I mean, yeah, these guys need rest. If I'm Brad Stevens, I'm not. I don't want that. I don't want that happening. Yeah, for sure. Especially daily. If they get a chance to play in the Olympics, I'm telling you right now, they're going to do it. I agree. It's like they're the All-Star sure. game. And you know what? Yeah. It's maddening. It is fucking infuriating. And I don't want to say that too loud because you want to play for your country, right? I I appreciate that. It's more important than the All-Star game. But it's maddening. Chris, you're you're on with Sherrod, Josue, and Nick. What you got? Hey, how's it going, guys? Uh, first of all, I just want to say, is there any way you guys can release this as a podcast? We do. We do, bro. We like, do, yeah, man. Yeah, you just made our day. I'll put the link in the chat for you, all right? Look at that plug. Look at I'll that. pop that, man. For the locker room, I don't want to miss one minute because uh, <laughs> this season, you guys, hey. are, you guys are the Boston Celtics. Uh, I don't know who's on the court. Those are uh, imposters or uh, some 76ers in disguise. That's great. So are you saying like Tommy might be proud of us because he wasn't proud of what he saw today, Tommy, on Tommy Heinsohn Day? Yeah, I mean, I just don't know what to do with this team because at the same time, it is a weird year. But on the other hand, obviously other teams have been dealing with it. Do you guys think next year – um, Danny and all the other managements will keep a close eye on Brad and who needs to go for sure and call this year a wash? I'm going to leave that one to Sherrod because I, I just can't answer that question. I didn't, hear the, I didn't hear the last part of his, his question. When he was talking about what management would do, I didn't hear that part. I said, would management start questioning Brad's ability next year officially? Okay. Think he's on the hot seat next season. Well, everything no. is back to normal. I I think they're gonna they're gonna go back to him. To me, the only way that his status becomes questionable is if the losses continue to mount, the defense continues to suck, and players start to be a little bit more public about their dissatisfaction with the direction of the team. Because at that point, you've got a situation where you can kind of you can give them a pass for this year because you've got the pandemic, you've got uh, you know just a lot of different things that have impacted the Celtics. Uh, Probably more than most teams. When you look, when you think about COVID and, and, and key players being put in health and safety protocol and things like that, they've probably been impacted more than any other team. So, again, not an excuse, but an explanation as to why management might be a little bit more lenient to just kind of, you know, just kind of chalk the season up to being one of those years. But next year, Tatum and Brown will be older. You presumably have a team that will learn from the. the the trials and tribulations of this season, and they should be a tougher team mentally. I got to believe that they're going to do something with that coaching staff and add someone who brings a clear and undeniable edge about them to that bench. Uh, and, and you do those things and you're still looking at like a, you know, a, a poor start to the season, then yeah, I think there will definitely be uh, some eyebrow raising moments with that for sure. But Brad's future is very secure at this point. Uh, I would say he's one of the three or four coaches in the league who has about as much job security as you can potentially have in the NBA. 
not to mention if he were if they were to part ways they wouldn't even hang up the call with with Danny and the phone would be ringing to hired Brad whether it's college or it's right. pros there's yeah. just not I, I as much as I bash I could be a bad I wasn't always but as much as I could bash him this season there's just not a, a good replacement so it is what it is uh Jimmy Jimmy uh come on air with us Jimmy Sterling um what do you got for what's up Jimmy Hey guys, how y'all doing? Good, good. What's going on? All right, man. Um, um, I I really think that um Draymond Green could fix this team. Oh, <laughs> yo, Jimmy, I, I would that, love that, but he, his heart, you know where his heart's at, man. But yeah, yeah good call. Yeah, yes. Um, so Draymond I, look, Green, I, I can't. I, I would go ahead. No, you go ahead, Jimmy. You got the floor. Okay, I I would route uh. Kimba to maybe Orlando since they have so much cap room now since they got rid of um Gordon, um Fournier and uh Vooch. And um I try to bring Green in and swap him um and send Smart to the Warriors. Ah uh, I like And I think and I think and also think it's time for Ainge and Brad to go also. I, Thanks guys. I like Draymond. Thank you. I mean, I'm I'm one of the few people even when Draymond has those games where he has like like 12 rebounds, 12 assists, and three points. I love that. Uh, because the thing about Draymond, he knows what he can do and what he can't do. He ain't getting, he's not a scorer. He's a facilitator and a rebounder and defender. That's his job. That's why he's making big bucks. And he doesn't really have many games where he tries to get away from that. Um, but I just can't see any way that Golden State would ever part with him. Or back up. I can't see why, why they would part with him at this point. Uh, Unless he went to them and said, "I want out," and I just don't, I just don't think that's going to happen, especially especially knowing that Clay Clay is going to be back in play play next year. Hell <laughs> yep, no! Yep. I think he's probably They're trying to bring the band back. Thinking, yeah, thinking that when I get Clay back, you know what that means? That means I got another cat that I can drop dimes to. Oh hell no! I look. He like most NBA All Stars loves Jason Tatum and loves Jalen Brown, but no disrespect. If you if you are playing with Steph Curry and a a fired up Clay Thompson, and you have a choice, nah, you gonna stick with Steph and Clay. Um, and that's not that's not a knock or shade on Jalen and Tatum, but damn, Steph. I mean, you're talking about Steph, arguably the best shooter to ever play the game, and Clay Thompson, one of the more underrated perennial All Star types who gets it done at both ends of the floor. So. No, Draymond, the only way he would be out at Golden State was if he wanted to be out because I don't think Golden State would seriously consider any offer for him uh, unless you're talking about – and you can't even be talking about like Kevin Durant or, or James Harden or anyone like that. Draymond is that valuable to them. But yeah, I'll, I'll even take it a step, I'll even take it a step I'll, further I'll and say That's these guys – All right, Jim. Jimmy, hold up. Go ahead, Joe Sway. Oh, my fault, Jimmy. I just want to say, I'll even take, take it a step further and say that th- that dynasty that Golden State had, that that run, I mean, to for, for legacy purposes, like, you don't want to go anywhere if you're Draymond Green. Like, Clay's coming back. I mean, these guys trying to get the bands back together and, and prove to everyone that, that they that they still got it, you know, that, that they can get back to the top. They're not trying to kick you out either. They ain't trying to kick you out. So. No. Right, right, yeah, yeah. They try to kick him out, you know, which, which obviously that was a, a conversation that people were talking about, or at least speculating when they still had Kevin Durant around. But he's gone. Everyone, everyone got their money. Everyone's paid. Everyone's happy. They're just trying to get back to the mountaintop and show everyone that they still got plenty left in the tank. 
And you know what, as much as, as they have uh, altered the style of play, and I know a lot of fans love it, I, I particularly don't love that that three-point fest, but the fact that they, they are staying at home, I mean, even through the losing years, seeing Durant leave and the injuries, you got to give those guys credit. They're legacy players. They don't exist anymore, you know. Right. So, uh, D- uh, Dave. Dave, we're gonna we're gonna bring you on now. Thank you, Jimmy. Uh, Dave, you're on with Sherrod, Joe Sway, and Nick, and Jimmy Toscano is floating around here. So, yo, what's up, guys? Um, I just want to um say something. Um, I wonder why the Celtics keep taking unnecessary threes when they could take easy twos in the paint. <laughs> well, the analytics <laughs> tell them those are better shots. <laughs> I don't get that. The number Laziness the sometimes. Yeah. It's easier to take those shots and to go in and, you know, get that bucket. Kevin McHale told me once it's cyclical. It, it will come back. Uh, it will come back to a big man game. I, I don't know. I don't I don't get the logic in passing up an open bunny uh, for a corner three on a team that's a bad three-point shooting team. But let's not even get me going there. Uh, Jimmy Toscano's with us now. Thanks, guys. What up? Thank you all. What up, Jimmy? Thanks, everybody, also for, for muting because we have got a packed queue here. Uh, the green room's full, and uh, Jimmy's now on with us, and we're going to bring on Jamel Murray. <laughs> Jamel? Hi, hi, guys. Hi, guys. We're, we're a big fan of the show from the UK. Thank you. Just Thank say you. Hey, what's up, Jamel? Hey, That's man. A dope name. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah, big fan of the show. I wish I was watching you guys back in the glory days. Like, I don't know if you guys were doing it back in 2018 or nothing. We were doing it in 2010, man. What's up, man? Oh, swear. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, y'all legends, man. Y'all legends. Swear. Keep keep up the good work. Serious. Thank you. But, yeah, about the game today. So, I was really happy to watch the game. Obviously, it's on at um, 6 o'clock over here, being an early game and whatnot. But... I swear this this team just doesn't seem to win these Sunday games, but I just want us as a fan base to show a little bit of patience for Brad. Cause I think this is a weird season to judge him on. I mean, you know, I don't think he can practice like that. Um, you know, if he's not able to have like proper practice with the team, like that kind of shows why we're seeing out there. We're seeing guys take early shots, really bad electrified shots. And it just doesn't seem like a really a bad Brad Stevens ball moving type team. And I just feel like, yeah, this is just the wrong season to judge him on. Like, don't you guys feel like Brad's done a, a lot getting to the Eastern Conference Finals and what and overachieving for us to talk about him like this? But you, 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 know, you know what, though? Jamel, here, here's the thing. Uh, if you're talking about Brad's body of work with the Celtics, it's impressive. Uh, he's. He, Came here and, and Danny had you know pretty much dismantled this team, just left him a bunch of you know scraps and spare parts, and he's built it up into a team that, for the bulk of his time in Boston, has been one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. But this team right now that we're seeing is transitioning slash transforming into something that's not consistent with what we've seen before. Uh, ball movement has been a hallmark of all these Brad Stevens coach teams. We don't see that now. Playing elite defense has been a hallmark of Brad Stevens coach teams. We're not seeing that now. Uh, ISO ball was something that they kind of did on the side. Now it's a it's a, the dominant dynamic of their offense. And so we're seeing a very different team doing different things and thus getting a very different result. Lots of losses. 
it raises questions about whether Brad has this team going in the right direction. Now, am I endorsing him being fired? No, because I don't, I don't think he should be fired. I think Brad, but he needs to definitely uh, do some soul searching this offseason and really look at not so much what he can do better per se, but what can he surround this franchise with to be better? Um, I, I think you got to look at the, the personnel that you have. You got to look at the way you use that personnel. You have to look at your coaching staff. You have to look at what holes and vacancies exist within that staff and try to address those in a significant, meaningful way. You do those things, I think you give yourself a significantly better chance to win. Because the one thing about Brad Stevens, and most of us, I think, are in agreement on this, he's a hell of a coach from an X's and O's standpoint. Hell of a coach. But, but managing the, the the talent that he has been given with, particularly this year has been a major flaw in him. He's not done a good job of managing the talent that he's been given with. Does that mean that he should be gone? No, but he has to be better, and he has to figure out how to make those around him players and uh, his assistant coaches better. Would you not? Why are you exempting him from the Kyrie years? I mean, he had a a dream team there with all those players. I'm I'm not exempting him from that, but I'm taking into account how they finished – and were there some unusual ex- circumstances that impacted that? And to me, this is without question. Gordon, Gordon Hayward's yeah. injury changed the whole calculus of how that team should be viewed. Uh, if Gordon Hayward had not been hurt and they played the season out the way they did both that first year and that second year when he was coming back, then I would have a much different take on Brad. I would feel that he was grossly underachieving with tremendous talent. But with Gordon Hayward, who was such an integral part yeah. of what they were looking to do, they had to re- they had to figure it out on the fly. And and you know, his inability to just play at the level that he was accustomed to because of that gruesome ankle injury, it accelerated the growth curve of Jason Tatum. It accelerated the growth curve of Jalen Brown. And so those guys got opportunities to shine much sooner than they would have because of Gordon's situation. For Brad, that meant that the way that you envisioned all of these pieces playing out, you had to tweak that on the fly. And I thought for the most part, he did a pretty damn good job of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But but at the end of the day, and we all know this, it's about how do you get the team to meet the expectations that exist both internally and externally? This team was supposed to compete for an NBA title, at least getting to the conference finals in the East. And they have not done enough to be in the conversation at all and that is an under this team is underachieved that's on the players that's on brad but am i willing to throw everything that they've done up to this point out the window no but they definitely need to do some serious soul searching this offseason and make some changes because if this team comes back as is and brad comes back with a staff as is that's going to be a problem because i don't think a year of growth is going to be enough growth for this team to be one of the top tier teams in the Eastern Conference, which is where, frankly, that's what Whit Grosbeck and that ownership group is paying for. They're paying for a top-tier team. That team does not exist right now. I'm looking at our panel here. So, Sherrod, in the mid-2000s, you were in Detroit. Yeah. Jimmy was in kindergarten. I was still in the restaurant business. Joe Sway was maybe with Jimmy. So none of us remember the fire – I mean, we remember as fans, maybe, uh, me, Jimmy, Joe Sway, but the fire Brad, fire Danny days in the mid-2000s. Just trying to figure out, you know. Fire Brad. 
not Brad, I'm sorry, Friar Danny, Friar Doc. Oh, I remember those you know, days. I, I, I that did, was 2008. What well, do you remember as as a fan? Yeah, that was 2007. Six, seven. I mean, they were chanting MVP and everything else. I mean, things just seemed bleak then. Red had died, you know. And, 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 it, and it seems like there's some parallels, only this team has – although that team had talent, right? You had Pierce and Jefferson. Are there parallels? I mean, I'm just trying to drive. That team was trash, man. Yeah, yeah that team I, had I no expectations. They, they lost 19 straight, didn't they? Yeah. They're 20 18. straight. I mean, yeah. that, that, that team was so bad that, that fans was, were wearing garbage bags with their hands. Garbage bags, uh, yes. Which, which was, to me, was appropriate because that team was yep. absolute – I mean, just – they sucked bad. This team doesn't suck that bad. And that's the frustrating part about That's a frustrating Yeah. That team was bad. This team should not be two games over five hundred. Bad. They're, they're talent wise, they should be better. Where'd you have them start of the year? Where'd you have them? Finish? I thought they finished. I thought they finished in the top four. I thought they finished. At, if things worked out the way that they thought they could, and a lot of people thought they could, maybe they could get up to that number two seed. I thought they would probably be three or four though. Jimmy, Joe Sway, where'd you go? Joe Sway, uh, I was spot on. I was four or five around yeah. there. I said no more. I said maybe four at the absolute best, but yeah. No. Four or five what now? We're talking about what? In the beginning I mean, of the you're season. You're never paying attention. He's not paying attention. In the beginning of the season, this is what happened. In the beginning of the season, we there's and it's all on tape, our pregame predictions. I was very low on the depth of this I team. Thought so. And I had the, the infamous – uh, Pacers roster is better than the Celtics roster, which I got to talk about now. Obviously, yeah, Pacers have had right. Pacers have had a tough season for you know they've had you know TJ one went down right off the bat. Their coach, obviously, as we've come to find out, you know, talk about a coach that just didn't connect with his players. Um, you know, the Pacers are are on another level than any other team apparently, and they've made some trades, so their season's kind of gone to shit. But the point I'm trying to make is that I was pretty low on this on this team. Doesn't mean I was low on Tatum and Brown. It was just I was low on this team, and it turned out to be pretty true. I thought the Celtics were were a uh, five seed going into the season, and, and I was, you know, I thought that was a pretty low expectation. But it turns out they're worse. They still are worse than that. So um, I, I'm still slightly surprised at um, their record. I thought that they would be better than this record, but I didn't think that they were a top, you know, two team in the East going into the season. The record is disgusting, but what's more disgusting is what's going on on the court that's pushing the record, right? I mean, it's just like a lack, lack, lack of everything. Mark, Mark LGM, you can unmute now, brother. Get in on the action here. And uh, where did you have this team first uh, at the beginning of the season? Yeah, I had a team basically, like you guys are saying, that four, fifth, sixth type of seed. I didn't have much hope coming into the season with just Kimba not being – not being himself and I don't know I wasn't I didn't have that much hope at this this year as well like you guys were mentioning mm-hmm. what's on your mind but one thing one thing I was thinking I have a couple things one thing is we need to get a, a Tom Thibodeau type of defensive coordinator on this staff because man this defense is horrendous and it's just really really being pretty bad but another thing is um and I'll let you guys talk and listen to you guys um Man, I really wish – I think the time has come where we have to make a decision on Danny Ainge, man, and just have to – No, 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 awesome. no, 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 no. He's been – Why no? Well, what do you mean no? I don't see how you could possibly – Let Mark finish. Well, go ahead, finish, Mark. I'm putting – right, my right. bad. I actually oh, thought my, I was no, muted. Not... I actually – 
Oh no, it's no problem. Yo, One Nick, thing be is, careful. he picked. Right, be careful with that mute button. <laughs> he did get um Jalen Brown and Tatum, so props to him on that. I get real props, and it was an awesome trade for the Brooklyn trade. But man, these Grant Williams picks, this bench is so young. We have Waters, Taco Fall, no veterans, and it's just eating up. It's killing the team, and man, I don't know. It's, I'm kind of disappointed on that, to be honest. You know, what's really I don't know who them? would replace them. Would be the question. I don't know who would replace them. So it's tough to say, but I'm just really disappointed on our lottery, late lottery picks, which I know have been unlock, unlucky because of the teams, Sacramento and Memphis playing good. It's bad luck, but yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty disappointed how soft the team is, basically. And I'll listen to you guys. Thanks a lot. Yeah, no, Mark, you know, you know what, what really I, I think has it, hurt them more so than the Grant Williams and, and, and some of those late round picks? It's the veteran free agents that they tried to bring in who have not panned out. Uh, you look at this particular year, when you look at Teague, who's not with the team anymore, you look at what Tristan Thompson, and, and, you know, Tristan has had some good games, but if you're looking at his overall body of work with the Celtics, he hasn't been nearly as impactful as I think they anticipated or hoping he would be. And so as you start to start analyze the teams that are, are kind of gearing up for the postseason, and they have their stars, but they also have that second-tier veteran player who's been through the wars, been through the battles, and is, frankly, stepping up and giving teams what they need now when they need it, the Celtics don't really have that. Fournier has played well of late, but again, last four games, he's been really good. Before that, not so much. Tristan Thompson, up and down. Jeff T, no longer in town. That Contrast that with a team like the Miami Heat, where you got Drogic, who didn't shoot the ball particularly well today, but there's no question, he was one of the guys that was his impact was felt. Then you got a guy like Trevor Ariza, who, like I said earlier, I mean, Trevor Ariza was looking like Trevor Ariza from seven teams ago, Trevor Ariza. And that was, again, the type of performance that in a big game of this magnitude, your veteran players really have to step their game up because they know better than anyone else the magnitude and the, and the, the importance of these games, and they tend to play with a high sense of urgency and make their impact. The Celtics aren't getting that, and, and that falls on Danny. I mean, Danny brought those guys in. And, you know, again, players play, coaches coach, and GMs do what GMs do. But you have to – you got to hit more home runs in that category because if you hit a home run with a Tristan Thompson, for example, you can live with Grant Williams taking a little bit longer to develop than, uh, than having to throw him out there in, in his second year as a rotation guy. You can live – with you know, uh, you know some of the other young guys that just haven't played particularly well because they're being forced to play now because the Celtics literally have no choice because their veterans didn't get it done. I mean, I can't even imagine where this team would be if they didn't draft Peyton Pritchard. Can't imagine where they huh. um He's he's one of the few late first-round picks that Danny has had that was, I mean, if you do the draft all over again, Peyton Pritchard is not getting drafted in that spot. He's going much higher, much earlier. So, yeah. We talked about Ainge. Go ahead. No, you can finish. Sorry. No, I, I was just going to say, I, I'm, I, I think Danny definitely, kind of like Brad, has to do a better job. But I'm not quite at the point of, of you know, moving on from him. Because, again, I, I think that he's just got he's got to do a better job of hitting with, with the non-draft additions than the draft ones. Because mm-hmm. those are the ones that really win your championships, not so much the Rooks. Yeah. Um, I think when you talk about Ainge or any GM, you have to talk about him in, in different categories like I'm actually okay with Ainge the drafter because 
we've talked about this in the show uh, on Locker Room and in the, on YouTube a, a bunch. He's hit on the absolute players you have to hit on. So the ones at the top. He hit on Smart. He hit on Brown. He hit on Tatum, right? So if you, if you miss on a guy at that point, then that's when things really start to unravel. And that's when you start talking about, you know, firing this guy or that guy and, you know, big, big changes. But we can all agree that, you know, whether or not these players frustrate you at times, he hit on those players. When you get later into the draft, it's a crapshoot. There are players, typically there's, you know, one or two players every year that falls in the first round and one team ends up with them. Um, it feels like the Spurs are a team that always does or, um, or whatnot. But Danny Ainge, I think he's hit on some recently. I think he hit on Robert Williams. I think he's hit on Pritchard we talked about. He hit on Rozier. Um, he's hit on um, – it looks like Neesmith's going to be a player, um, and that was a player that was drafted in the middle of the first round. So You can't but, just judge him based again, on draft picks too, right? I, I'm not. That's the, that's the first yeah, know, aspect right, of it. Right, so right. then you want to go talk about what Sherrod's talking about, which is now we're talking about free agency. Well, that's where all the questions lie because not only the players that he – has signed to sort of play that, you know, bench role or, or that deep rotation role, like recently, like a Teague or a Tristan Thompson. I don't put it too much stock in Teague, you know, minimum money type player. Just, you know, it didn't work out. Maybe there's another player available. But the Thompson signing doesn't look to have been a great fit. Um, but the ones that you really have to look at are the big, big ones. How much blame do you put on him for the um, Kyrie Irving saga or the way it ended with Al Horford or the way it ended with Gordon Haywood because those three players them leaving are the reason why you are what you are today that the the the, the design was never for Kyrie Irving to leave right so how much blame do you put on Danny Ainge for him trading for Kyrie Irving and probably um, disregarding what maybe some of the word was on Kyrie. Um, I'm sure there was. I'm sure there were some, some some people out there who knew the type knew the type of person that Kyrie Irving might have been. Uh, not so much the player. I think he fell in love with the player and kind of took a stab at hoping that he would that Kyrie Irving would fall in love with Boston and want to play here. Well, that didn't happen. So do you blame Ange for that? Some people no, would. Because, some people would. Some people absolutely Jimmy, would. The alternative was they? keeping an injured Isaiah. I mean, you couldn't keep an injured Isaiah Thomas. But you also could have traded Kyrie Irving at some point before you. Well, before I don't you know who would have taken him. It was on a what, a two-year? Well, somebody said, took Evan Fournier as a restricted free agent. It was well, the Celtics, I don't think so. he had much choice. I mean, at this point, he had to do something. I can't put Both Evan Fournier and Kyrie Irving. Yeah, in me either. Yeah, just yeah, giving you either. an example yeah. of a player that was on the last recent example of a player that was in last year of his deal, and a team took a stab at him in hopes that they could get him to resign. So my point is. I can guarantee you this. There was a team out there that would have traded for Kyrie Irving while he was in the Celtics. So don't tell me that there wasn't a team that would have traded for Kyrie Irving because I, I don't believe But well, then why are you blaming Danny Ainge for trading for him? I'm blaming – I'm saying how much blame would you give Danny Ainge for not trading for him if he had an inkling that Kyrie Irving wasn't going to resign? There was a lot of people out there. Don't forget at the All-Star game, that whole infamous video of Kyrie Irving talking about two yeah, match free agent spots. The of there was a lot of word trickling out that Kyrie Irving wasn't maybe thinking about resigning here in Boston. Danny Ainge stuck with him and hoped that he could get him to reconsider. He didn't. So do you give? Do you blame him for that? You certainly oh, no. could. And then no. do you blame him for the last yeah, thing is just the Hayward situation. But go on. No, I was just going to say, hell, I would not blame him for that because it, I would be more. I would have been more bothered by that if he had one year left. But he had two. You, you were going to get two cracks at convincing him to stay long-term. And that rarely happens in the NBA when you're talking about a player of that magnitude being put on the move, being that young age-wise. So, you it was know, a great trade at the time, but what we didn't know about Kyrie Irving was, I think, some, you know, he was a little different. I wouldn't call him a head coach. <laughs> a, a little, little different. different. 
Well, he's a little <laughs> that different, was, but very, very it's not so much. It's not so much acquiring him. It's Danny Ainge maybe at some point realizing that this Kyrie Irving fit isn't going to fit, and maybe I need to see if I can get something for him because he lost Kyrie Irving for nothing. He lost Howard for nothing. He lost Gordon here for nothing. So these are what the original question was was about. Danny Ainge, I'm saying if you want to question Danny Ainge, that's where I would probably put the questions, not so much in the draft. I put the questions on uh, James Posey and, and Tony Allen. I don't think he's done anything wrong in the last couple of years. I exempt him, Danny Ainge. I mean, I don't know why everybody – What, what are you will, saying? Why would we blame Danny Ainge when he's given uh, – I mean, superstars. The Celtics, before Al Horford, couldn't get a free agent. In the last five years, how many have they brought in star-wise and, le- and have had left? Now, how much of the GM is to blame for that? I mean, how much interaction does he even have with these guys? I mean, that's sort of opened the floodgates if you think about it. I, I don't know if it was by design, but that, signing out Horford, that was huge, you know? And, and it, it sort of, I don't want to say put the Celtics on the map, but it was sort of like, Come okay, back. that's a team to look at. You know, that's a team to look out for. And eventually, obviously, I, I don't think Gordon Hayward comes to Boston if, if, if Al Horford was a sign. Mm. Well, we we, yeah. we are packed with, with people who want to talk. So I'm going to go to Emmanuel right. now. We'll go around the horn. Uh, Emmanuel. Hello. Hello, guys. Um, appreciate it um, for letting me talk. Um, what's up, man? Uh, what's up? What's up? Um, yeah, so I have, like, two – you know, points I want to kind of hit real quick. Um, one is Brad Stevens um, and the and the two guards that we have in Kemba and Marcus Smart. Uh, with Brad, I think he's a great coach. Um, I think he's a great coach. I think um, the four Easter Conference Finals is, is nothing to scoff at as a, as a head coach. Um, I just think that the, the 2018 to 2019 season with Kyrie, um, and that squad, I just think that was too – and then last season with the Easter Conference Finals debacle and then almost getting outcoached by the Raptors uh, and Nick Nurse, I just really feel like, you know, I just – I don't know. I just don't feel he's the coach. I don't, I don't know. I, I think the question that I keep asking myself is that, is he going to be the coach, I guess, that's the Banner 18? And if you can't get to the finals, especially last year, and you can't get to the finals with the 2018-2019 team. I just really don't see how you make it. I don't. I don't see how you could. You know, unless you get somebody greater than Tatum. But I think. I think you have your two guys in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I, I truly believe that they're the two two players that can get you to the finals and could possibly win it. But um, I just don't see him being the coach that gets us to Banner 18. And with Kemba and Marcus Smart. I think you're going to have to trade one of those guys. That's for sure. Um, I think Marcus Smart gets too trigger happy um, a lot of the times and where he, you know, just feels like he, he's getting on a roll. I think he needs to understand his roles. And I think that's a problem with Brad. Yep. He doesn't, I don't see the defined roles yet. I, I see that Tatum's number one, obviously. I see that. I see Jalen. I think, again, I think y'all talked about it um, today where you have to kind of motivate, I'm not motivate Jalen, but kind of push him on into being like one of those guys. Cause I see too many times in where Jalen is just like sitting, especially last year. And I keep saying, I know I keep saying Easter conference last year, but like last year there was times when Jalen Brown was just in the corner. And I keep, like, I don't understand that. I just go and where Marcus Smart and Kemba, I think Jalen Brown has been number two for 
since the Easter Conference Finals. And, you know, I honestly, sometimes he's just, you know, just sitting yeah. out in space. I just don't understand that. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. good, good, good takes. Go ahead. Anyway, uh, uh, Josue, you want to comment on that? Thank you, David. Or appreciate Emmanuel. it. Appreciate Thank you, Emmanuel. Josue, you have a comment on that? Hey, Nick, you got me? Yeah, I got Bobby. Go ahead. Go for it, bro. Well, I was going to hit on that because you know how big of a yes. Brad fan I am, yes. Nick. Yes, the biggest. What I ultimately have to say, what I ultimately have to say when it comes to Brad is that if someone else can do a better job of unlocking Tatum's consistent playmaking, the player that he can be at the top of this roster, and connecting that to Brown, I, I've talked about Brown so much the last couple of weeks, helping him become the one D here and creating some equality between those two at the top of the team. If there's someone better suited to do that. I'm fine with moving on from Brad. It's just, who is it? I, I don't have a clear vision of who it is. I've heard a lot of ideas thrown around, and there probably is someone who can do it. So I think it should be considered. I just don't know if you fully condemn Brad for what happened this year, given all the circumstances that went on. I think there's just a sliver of um, a sliver of a excuse that he's able to get by on here. And Bobby wrote a great column on this on uh, SB Nation Celtics blog. Bobby, do me a favor, though, mute because you're at the garden and it's loud. Unless you're not okay. He did. Yeah, I mean, no, it sounded like that sounded like the city, Nick. I think it sounded like the T. Actually, I thought it was a T there for a minute. I think he's out. Uh, All right, we're gonna keep going. Hit on David Hall. You're next, and then Eric. All righty. Well. Just from Damn, watching David, the team today. David Hall's been David Hall's been waiting. I thought he. I, dude, I was you see how many people are waiting? Him, I was waiting. <laughs> we have. Yeah, but he's here. waiting like he was. He was like up. Thanks, Jimmy. Thank you. <laughs> well, I just wanted everybody to think he was a host too. I mean, David's in every game, every game. Hey, so go. I can do it if you want me to. <laughs> go. No, uh, just after watching the game today, and just from an X's no point, seeing us run all this motion plays for the wings. Um, and it's not working. I was wondering, like, what, what happened to the old days when we actually had player movement, ball movement, and actually passed the ball and came from defense to offense, and now it's mm-hmm. mostly our offense has to start our defense now for some reason. And I'm just I'm just wondering if Brad really has them connected or is the team just need more practice time together or are they really just confused out there? Because even on the defensive side, the rotation, they're not making the right rotations. They're not getting over. They're not getting help, helping out. They're not hedging. So, I don't know. I just wonder, like, what's up with the X's and O's point of view with it looks like with Brad out there? Let's throw that to Sherrod first and Bobby. Sherrod. Well, that that's a great question. And it, to me, it's again, it's, it's one of the many mysteries with this team. When they move the ball, when the ball touches the paint, when they uh, attack, they're better. And yet they don't do it enough. Uh, and, and the only thing I can, can think of that, that is – an explanation for why that is, is because it's just easier um, to do ISO basketball. It's easier to jack threes. It's easier to not play defense. And that's the one of the concerns that I have with this team right now is that they tend to lean towards doing whatever is easy, uh, forgetting that for them to get to where they've been the last few years, shit was hard. You had to be really good teams. You had to play really well. And most important, you had to play connected with each other. And we're not seeing that. 
We're not seeing that with any kind of consistency. And again, I don't know if that's a Brad Stevens thing. I don't know whether that's a culture thing. I don't know whether it's a specific player or two type of thing. But what I do know is this. They don't play hard enough long enough. And that is their identity. And when you go into the playoffs with that as your identity, chances are pretty high that you're going to get your ass kicked. Well, you, you know what you know what struck me on that question, Sherrod, is that when Carson Edwards came in this game, at least in that third quarter, is did he get the ball? <laughs> I, I hear that too. Um, <laughs> I hear that somewhere. It's not me. I'm not it was like the naked gun. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my I would blame Joe Sway. I think that's Joe Sway too. Hey, you know, sometimes you just gotta, you know, you gotta run in the bathroom. I'm blaming Kirk. He would be doing it. You gotta open the valve. Just open the valve. (laughs) All right, Bob, proceed. (laughs) What was the question? Um, So, no, I was saying when it comes to the ball movement, I I found it so surprising that they put Edwards into the game and didn't get him the ball for that whole third quarter stretch that he was in there. Finally, he got in the fourth on some kickouts and took it himself in transition. But I feel like the biggest problem with ball movement is you have so many guys coming in and out, you don't build a chemistry between a lot of these lineups. And part of that's a Brad thing, part of it's an injury thing. But at the same time, it's what Sherrod said. If you don't have the trust from the top players, they're going to think it's easier to just take it themselves because they're the ones that are in control and they're the ones that know that they can get Right. Because like, like, like right now, Bobby, I'm, I'm watching the Knicks play the Clippers. And my goodness, everyone when that New York team is flying around, getting deflections, making things happen defensively. And they don't, they don't, they're like not a good shooting team, but they shoot a pretty high percentage because they work their asses off. That's what effort does. The ball rewards effort. When you don't give it, you don't get it back. Point and simple. I saw that a lot early in this game, Sherrod. I saw Tatum getting trapped in those corners, dribble, 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 and not able to release it. And in worst cases, he turned it over. And that was a big problem early this game. Ball control is the biggest issue with this team. If you had to rank them all, I think it's indisputable that facilitation, ball control, uh, just ball handling as a whole is the biggest issue on this team. Yeah, I agree. So many, even today, like just so many times, just head down, dribbling. I mean, Marcus Smart did like a 360 turnover charge. Like I saw it with, I saw Kemba lose the ball in transition a couple of times, or at least one I can recall. So, you're right. I mean, these guys, sometimes they just have it in their heads that they're going to do one thing, and then they do it to a fault, and it leads to a turnover more often than uh, Um, I'm going to pass the hosting duty off because all of a sudden my screen went completely blank, locker room a little glitchy, so I could only see the, the uh, hosts right now. So, um, Jimmy, can I pass to you, and then I'll back out and come back? Yes, sir. All right, sir. Because uh, that that the queue is is full and I can't see it. Wow, I got all the power right now. Well, I don't. Oh, uh, why did I do I this with him? Oh damn! Oh, oh fuck! Damn. Oh god! With great power comes great responsibility. Oh boy, all I'll right. be back. Well, well, Eric's been waiting, so this is an easy one. What's up, Eric? Hey guys, how we doing? Thank you for having me. You got it, bro. Thanks for coming on. Um, all right, so I just have uh, two things I want to say. Um, the first is um. If the Celtics want to move on from Kemba Walker, do you think um, he has raised his trade value due to, like, how consistent he's been playing? 
And also, and I also just wanted to say, Sherrod, I'm also watching the Knicks game, and I'm just so jealous of their energy. I'm telling you, it's, you, see, you, you see what I'm saying, though. That's it's real. That's real. I know it's insane. They're I actually don't think the Knicks are very talented, but they play so damn hard, and that's their talent. I agree I completely. That and that got me thinking about the Knicks now. <laughs> My bad. Yeah. <laughs> Eric, what was the first half of that question? Um, do you think Kemba raised his uh, trade value now that he's uh, been playing consistent and looks healthy? Sure. What you got? What you got on that? I think that teams aren't any more or less intrigued by what he's playing because he, again, he's healthy now. But you, but teams understand what went into him looking better. Uh, load management all season long, not the most ideal uh, way to play a max player. Now, obviously, you get a team like the L.A. Clippers and what they've done with, you know, Kawhi Leonard and, to a lesser extent. Uh, and it's worked for them. Uh, but I, Kimba, I, I just don't – I don't know if teams are willing to give you anything of va- significant value uh, for him right now. And to me, that's what it ultimately comes down to. Um, can you get something of value for him? Because if you can't, then there's no point in making the move. Kimba, I think he's good enough to where he can help you. Uh, I think he's good enough to where he can be a very good player in this league still. And if I'm going to move him, I got to get something that's going to significantly help me. Uh, because if it, if I feel the move, the trade will, is just kind of a lateral move, it does to me at that point it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, uh, I would I would agree with that too. Um, I I think Kemba has has he increased the trade value? Yes, because I think. I think we all can agree, or most of us can agree, that he had little to no trade value um, going into this season. Uh, you're talking about a guard that we all had no idea if you, you know, how effective he was going to be, when he was going to get back on the court, um, if he would look the same again. And certainly over the last half of this season, we've seen um, a more, you know, the more typical Kemba Walker. I'm not saying he's 100%. I don't think would say that he's still not playing back to backs, but um, you look at the games point game or two so I think in that sense he's definitely raised his value um to the point where he's not just a con a not just a big contract he's a player that certainly can contribute he has leadership qualities um oftentimes this year I've thought of him as the leader on this team um we always talk about Tatum and Brown Tatum and Brown but for me rise to the occasion um, way more often when really needed than some of these younger guys have. And I think that's the real issue this year is that I don't think these young guys are necessarily ready to lead. They might have they might have the ability to lead someday and they certainly have the talent to, but they're you know, they're relatively young still and they might just not have that quality yet. Uh, it might be something that they that they still need to acquire. I think Marcus Smart has it to an extent as well. But for me Kemba Walker has that additional value to him now what that could get you in the um in the i'm not sure i mean he still makes a lot of money he's still considered damaged goods i think to an extent so i don't i don't really know um what that's going to do um for the celtics jimmy um jimmy yeah am i being am i being petty that i am just so first of all i gotta say it again to those who don't know i'm usually a homer this season has been i've been vicious but Am I am I being petty about these stupid, these very well produced vignettes that the Celtics are doing 
about the players not caring about the media. Like, it just basically says to me they do care about the media. It's just, to me, I don't understand why they're on this PR campaign doing that. Am I being petty? You seem Are you like being you, petty? You re- your reply yesterday to me was kind of making me feel like I was being a bit petty because I'm saying, like, really, I don't want to see Brown and Jason talk about how they don't care what everybody says. They only, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's tough. I think, like like we said, I think some of these players are using outside noise, quote-unquote, to fire themselves up. I don't know why they think they need it. I think that they've had 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 it.